And welcome back. I'm here with a friend of mine and the absolute truth with Emma Robinson. He's become a, a real ally for the both of us. Let's welcome in FBI whistleblower and the fellow for the Center of Renewing America, Steve Friend, to the show. Steve, thank you for being here. Uh, you are my first law enforcement guest. You're kicking it off with us, kicking it off with us. So no pressure at all. None whatsoever. I'm looking forward to becoming an indispensable contributor to the Brianna Morello show. Thank you. Thank you. We're looking forward to it as well. Uh, Steve, I wanted to get your take on everything that happened this week with the DOJ. You might have seen it. Uh, unfortunately, the Department of Justice is not done targeting those who they tried, like the Proud Boys and the uh, Oath Keepers. They are appealing the sentences of the Proud Boys. Uh, they announced that this week. Uh, so unfortunately, uh, for people like Enrico Otario and others, uh, 22 years in jail just isn't enough for them. Uh, they want more. Originally, too, the DOJ recommended, as we discussed in my open, 33 years in prison for an individual who wasn't there at the Capitol, uh, an individual who was actually in police custody at the time everything happened. He was prosecuted based off of his text messages. Your reaction to just yet again another federal agency proving how weaponized they actually have become? I interpret this meaning it's twofold. One, they, they go after their enemies and they continue to kick them when they're down as hard as they can. They definitely have their target and they've, they've gone after them and they're not content with their pound of flesh. They're coming after the whole thing. And I think that they, they, they're satisfied with that. Their, their bloodlust, at least temporarily, will be satiated. But then secondly, I think there's a chilling effect. It, it sends the message to anyone. And as we saw with the Newsweek reporting that went on a few weeks ago with the agave threat that was revealed, the anti-government, anti-authority, violent extremist, essentially anybody who votes for MAGA or anybody, any candidate who's America first, uh, that they're going to see this as a message and say, look, I, I'm not going to engage in political speech. I'm, I'm less inclined to do so. I might pull the ballot or the lever for, for, a, certain, uh, for a certain candidate, but I'm going to be quiet throughout the process. And, and the chilling effect that that has, I, I sort of think of it as a, um, a dialed up, the, that speed sign you see that reads your, your speed as you drive by it. It puts back in the back of your mind the thought, well, there might be a police officer who's going to pull me over, so I'm going to slow it down here. Uh, but here the threat is clearly going to be they're going to put you in federal prison. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, we just actually saw before we started taping this interview, uh, right now at the Capitol, there are protesters inside the Capitol, um, inside the Cannon Building, and they are uh, pro-Palestine, um, and they are likely not going to be sent over to the D.C. Gulag, which is quite unfortunate uh, how there is just this separation of in D.C. where certain people are prosecuted and certain people aren't. Uh, U.S. Attorney uh, for D.C., uh, Matthew Graves, whose wife is, uh, as we discussed earlier, a radical left-wing uh, activist, I guess we could call her. Um, they kind of set this theme in their department where they only prosecute Trump supporters, conservatives, and they leave out anyone who's on their side of the aisle. Uh, we saw also Matthew Graves the previous week openly admit uh, to Congress that he just didn't want to get involved in prosecuting Hunter Biden. Uh, he said that it was just already so in the weeds that he didn't want to step into it. Um, your reaction to, once again, uh, Matthew Graves just flat out saying, I'm not going to prosecute the president's son or even look into it. I'm going to look the other way. And then we're going to use all of our resources and gear up to towards anyone who was there at the protest or wasn't even there at the protest during uh, January 6th. Your reaction to, to just that. The dichotomy could not be any more stark between one side and the other here. You have 
Matthew Graves or Merrick Garland uh, as the attorney general who is just doing the uh, yeoman's work for the Biden family to protect yeah. them against uh, any, any sort of uh, legal action. Uh, and that's very consistent with what we saw with Loretta Lynch on a tarmac having a conversation with Bill Clinton to protect Hillary Clinton and Eric Holder, who was being who was Barack Obama's wingman by his own uh, labeling. And he was held in contempt of Congress and didn't care. Uh, Democrats use the levers of power when they're at their fingertips and Republicans can't wait uh, to do backflips to get to the microphone to tell you how they're not going to use the power, as we saw with Bill Barr and Jeff Sessions, who recused himself from the uh, the Russia, Russia, Russia case. Th yeah. This is a consistent problem between the left and the right. Uh, the, the right still exists in this world where we can be libertine in our worldview and, and we might disagree with each other, but we can all get along because we all just want the same thing. And that's just not true. The, uh, the other side has embraced the, uh, the Borg mindset, that which not is banned is required and you must, be, uh, you must submit, you must bend the knee and you will be uh, assimilated to what we want to do. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. And it seems like it's never ending, unfortunately. Um, but Steve, before you left the agency is, and before, you know, uh, you, you went public, I guess you took some potential OPR files with you, right? You're going to explain to us what that actually means, but we're going to go through it right now. So real quick, what are these OPR files that you've been, uh, posting on Twitter. I find them to be quite interesting. Uh, we've picked out your top five. So if you could just explain to our audience what they are specifically and um, how you even receive these. Well, OPR stands for Office of Professional Responsibility. It is essentially the internal affairs of the FBI, and they conduct investigations of anything from a rule violation, policy violation, to a, a legal problem. And they, they handle that. And uh, before I was uh, unceremoniously dismissed and suspended from duty, I'd gotten the last five years worth of them. And I got them really for a constructive purpose because I wanted to have a precedent to say, say hey, look, you shouldn't suspend me for looking at the employee handbook improperly uh, because, look, this guy did something and he got a letter of censure. And, uh, and after I was treated so poorly at the hands of the FBI, I decided, look, these are unclassified. They deserve to be in the hands of the American people because they need to know who uh, is really working on the inside of the FBI. So I exposed them. And, and as a result of that, the FBI sort of took a hiatus from having their, their quarterly uh, announcement that they have, where they sort of have the lowlights. Uh, but mm -hmm. uh, now they decided that uh, the coast is clear. They wanted to come out with the most recent OPR quarterly, uh, unfortunately for them. Uh, but fortunately for us, there are still some people on the inside who think that this should be transparent and out there. And uh, one of my moles provided me the most recent quarterly and, and took a look at it. And I think the FBI was embarrassed that it did not pursue a more harsher uh, course of action against people. So they tried to come out with their, their, harsh, uh, their, but, um, their harsh rulings. But as a result of that, they've exposed some of the most egregious behavior that has gone on the last three months in the FBI. Uh, so uh, yeah. you know, look at the first one there, and it yeah. just says it all. It's a it's an assault of a private citizen by an FBI agent on camera, and he had to be arrested as a result of that, most likely by a task force officer from a local agency. Yeah, yeah, and interesting enough, he was dismissed. Um, now, this is a recent one, you said, right? This was one that you just recently received. Yes, this was an OPR quarterly for the la for uh, October, so it was the last quarter, so it would have been uh, September. August and July, uh, these were the adjudications. Okay, and this individual who was an employee of the FBI obviously was wearing their badge and did have their firearm on the time on them. Um, they were dismissed. Do you think 
uh, since you started leaking these OPR files publicly, do you think normally that would have been the consequences of you know these kind of actions, or do you think maybe they're learning their lesson and getting a little stricter and dismissing people rather than just uh, handing over a little five-day suspension on something like that? Well, this employee happened to be a probationary employee, so there's a zero tolerance for that. So that's consistent mm -hmm. with anything I've seen in the past. But I have seen employees accused of domestic violence uh, or mm -hmm. child abuse and not be dismissed by the FBI. So this is, uh, I guess they're, they're choosing to be a little bit more harsh, as we'll see with other ones, uh, where yeah. they're actually going ahead and terminating them from duty. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's move on to the second one, uh, because that was pretty interesting as well. Uh, let's see, this one was an assault as well. Um, the employee was intoxicated, assaulted, assaulted a spouse. The spouse had minor injuries and called 911, and the employee was arrested. Uh, this resulted in dismissal. Obviously, that's that's warranted. I would say. Um, I think there was a favorable, quite interesting. Uh, it was domestic violence, but I think it was favorable as far as the the plea went. It was not a domestic violence conviction. So I think that this the fact that this employee worked for the FBI probably boded well for their their favor at the hands of the uh, the local prosecutor. They they only took a a regular assault charge versus a domestic violence assault, which uh, wow. would would carry a heavier sentence, or, or even just uh, having on your criminal record a domestic violence assault uh, might preclude you from owning a firearm. Yeah, I would like to know where that where this. I mean, obviously they don't tell you the specifics, but where this took place, because I would like to reach out and figure out why. They weren't charged with that because, you know, an average citizen would have been would have been charged the full extent of the law. So it's quite interesting, as you point out, that they weren't. Um, the second one, it's everyone's awkward or the third one, I guess you should say it's everyone's uh, worst nightmare. It's an employee who can't keep them hand, hands to themselves. And they're also super creepy. Uh, the employee sent repeated unwelcoming text messages to a coworker attempting to pursue a romantic relationship with her. Uh, then that employee ended up grabbing her, his coworker. Uh, at the FBI space and attempted to kiss her, uh, he was dismissed. Um, that is quite interesting. Um, were there charges filed for that, Steve, or how did this play out? Does it doesn't appear that there were any criminal charges here. Uh, I mean, it's obviously a, a hashtag me too type of moment uh, that's been yeah. exposed in the last few years. Uh, I was encouraged he got a harsher treatment than Joe Biden got for the allegations for sexually assaulting Tara <laughs> Reid. Yeah, yeah. Well, they don't they don't want you to know about that. That's that's the left for you. Uh, it's pretty disturbing. We could move on to our next one, which is the fifth one. Uh, let's see. It is the third slide. Thank you very much. This one, uh, quite alarming, Steve. An employee shopping accidentally left a tactical bag containing a bureau issued weapon and a personal weapon uh, in their shopping cart, which could be alarming, uh, and that's sarcasm. Uh, the firearm was discovered by a store employee and was turned over to local law enforcement. Um, let's see, that employee, although this was second time it looks like, uh, something did happen with them. They were only suspended for five days. Steve, what's going on here? Leaving two guns behind after your cost car run. And look, I understand you might have had like 200 puddings to put in your trunk of your car, but uh, <laughs> to receive a five-day suspension seems fairly light to me, uh, especially when you contrast it with some of the other suspensions that are later. Uh, we, we won't get into those, but there was an employee who was driving their child in a car, uh, yeah. and, and that's against policy. It's a liability issue, but they got 35 days on the bricks, so a 7x 
comparison to somebody who leaves two firearms, one of which a government firearm, let's say, had fallen into the wrong hands and a violent act had, had happened with a weapon that should have been in the possession of an FBI agent. Can you imagine the catastrophic consequences that were as a result? And, and five days to me seems a pretty, uh, pretty light slap on the wrist, especially if there's a second, uh, this is a second offense. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say a dismissal would probably warrant it in that type of a situation. Uh, but thankfully, you know, didn't get in the hands of the wrong person. But I mean, we all know that easily could have happened. So uh, interesting that the FBI thought a five day suspension was valid for that type of, of egregious behavior. Steve, um, you have a long list of titles these days. Another one of your titles, of course, is the author of this great book. Uh, I was first in line for True Blue, My Journey from Beacock to Suspended FBI Whistleblower. I highly, highly recommend it for our audience. It's one of my favorite reads these days. Um, in the book, I get to learn a lot about you, uh, more than what I've probably already know. Number one, you don't listen to music. You still have an iPod, which is also interesting, but <laughs> you, you, you listen to, uh, audiobooks, which I think is interesting. It's probably why you're smarter than the rest of us. Uh, so that's definitely a plus. My, my iPhone these days is, is purely just, uh, Spice Girls, maybe a little Coolio mixed into there and other 90s music so kudos to you for for doing right um but the the most interesting part i found in your book is kind of like the exposing part of of why you left the agency uh for our audience that aren't familiar with your story um i kind of want you to discuss briefly of course i do want them to also get your book but why you left the agency what you witnessed firsthand and um i also kind of want to know why others aren't following your lead uh, if, if you want to kind of venture into that as well because i think it's really important what you've done well i joined the fbi in 2014 i was a police officer before that as the title indicates i spent the first seven years working on violent crimes in iowa and nebraska on indian reservations there and that gave me a lot of background and experience with the fbi's rule book for carrying out investigations and then when i transferred to florida work on child porn and human trafficking in 2021 but was moved over sort of voluntold to work on the January 6th cases in the fall of 2021. So about nine, 10 months after the incident actually happened, got my first look at those cases. And it was very apparent to me that the FBI is departing from its rules for investigations and doing so to create a false narrative because January 6th is one case in Washington, but instead the FBI opened a separate case for every single person and assigned them to the field where the person lives. So I lived in Daytona, and therefore when a politician stands up and says there's thousands of domestic terrorists around the country, uh, that's all substantiated by folks who were trespassing. And if they happen to live in Daytona, now it looks like there's a domestic terrorist problem in Daytona Beach. And that's just mm -hmm. not uh, honest. And I think that, that, uh, that that's a misrepresentation that the, they've American people need to know about. And then also, I was a SWAT guy when I was in the Midwest, and we were in Florida using a SWAT team to arrest an individual who had pledged to be cooperative with us 18 months after his interview. And I thought that that was a potential Ruby Ridge or a Waco type of scenario in the making, and, and raised all those concerns with my supervisors, essentially came forward uh, as an unintentional whistleblower, but uh, then uh, faced the wrath of the FBI and the DOJ and the Democrats and the media in the fallout because I was suspended within 30 days of coming forward. And, uh, yeah. and, and to, your, to your second question, uh, look, I, I hoped when I eventually came forward and spoke to the media that that would galvanize my, my fellow or my former colleagues at the FBI. We all got the same training and went to the Holocaust Memorial and the MLK Memorial. And we learned that uh, those sorts of atrocities only happen when the police just follow orders but there's too many people who have deluded themselves with the, the paycheck and, and the belief that they have to, uh, have to pay their bills and feed their family. 
Uh, but to me that that's insufficient, which is why I now have just dispensed with this qualifier of saying the good men and women of the FBI. Uh, the oath of office is not an iPhone user agreement. You, you took it, you swore it in front of your family and your friends and your Lord. And uh, I, I'm hoping that as I continue to bang this drum and expose more and more, people will realize that uh, what they signed up for is not what is really happening at the FBI. And then they can come forward and, and expose uh, even more about what's going on every day. Yeah, yeah, it's deeply concerning what the FBI is doing currently. Um, Steve, you've testified in front of Congress prior. Um, right now, we're, we're looking for a new Speaker of the House. Uh, Jim Jordan seems to be the most popular pick, although he has so far um, failed multiple times to to get the votes he needs to to become Speaker. Um, your thoughts on potentially having Speaker Jim Jordan uh, get the gavel and, and kind of lead the House Republicans on this quest to, to stop a weaponized uh, federal government? Well, if he can be elevated to the, to the speakership, uh, that would probably mean there's going to be a shuffling over at Judiciary and then this weaponization select committee underneath it, which has been my focus. I hope whoever gets that is going to be energetic in, in taking on what, what the information I brought forward. I, look, I've, I've been disappointed in the fallout. I testified in May, and there's really been no, no actual action on that, no reforms attempted. I think they're probably building towards issuing some sort of uh, report or statement. Uh, but again, that, I don't think that's uh, enough. I think we need to yeah. uh, look into some drastic actions. Uh, I, I would like to see the FBI dissolved entirely, defunded, uh, but I, I've certainly proffered uh, alternate means where you would defund certain elements of it, certainly the intelligence collection apparatus, even up to the, the armed special agent, make it an unarmed investigative agency if need be, and have it partner with local law enforcement. Uh, those are the types of reforms it's going to take because I, I think at this point it, it's like a uh, it's like a bucket of water. You've, you've even if you've dropped uh, one or two drops of cyanide into it, uh, the entire bucket is polluted at this point. It has to be radically altered, if not uh, disposed of entirely. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with that, Steve. And Steve, real quick before we go, um, after reading your book, the one lingering question I had, right, you, t you discussed the process of getting into the FBI, all of the, the stages it took to get to being on SWAT, but most importantly, you detail uh, not passing a polygraph test multiple times. We all know those are insufficient. They're not even usually, um, if, if polygraph tests aren't even brought into a courtroom, that's how bad they are. Why is the FBI still relying on polygraph tests when it's selecting its agents? They, they rely on polygraphs and they do not do psychological evaluations. It's, it's just, just shakes your head. At, yeah. at something like that that is absurd, which is why we see something that we have in the in the OPR quarterlies where people clearly have uh, some something going on between their ears that's uh, not what you want from your premier law enforcement agency. Uh, they're just antiquated in, in just really all that they do. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with that. Steve, thank you for your time. Um, you are one of my very first guests, so you set the standards really, really high. Everyone else has to live up to that. Uh, I hope we all do. <laughs> and once again, to our audience, make sure you go out and get this book. It is a great book, True Blue by Steve Friend. Steve, as always, thank you. We look forward to having you on The Absolute Truth with Emma Robinson very, very soon. Well, well, let's be honest, right? Under Joe Biden, we've had plenty of economic woes. Woes! And uncertainties. Like many of you, I was getting a little nervous, so I turned to my dad for some advice. He's great at investing his money. He said there's only one thing to do, and that's to invest in gold and silver. I've never done it before, so I called our friend, Dr. Kirk Elliott. And I don't regret it at all because, let me tell you guys, he gave me all the details I needed. So if you're like me and you're just trying to get your foot in the door and trying to figure out what's the best way to invest your funds, I highly recommend 
recommend right now, you go to KirkElliottPhD.com slash Brianna. That's KirkElliottPhD.com slash Brianna. Or call 720-605-3900. That's 720-605-3900. For 10 years, Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. We are here to defend democracy. The misinformation poses a threat to our nation's health. Climate change is an emergency. Democratic socialism. Codified. Everyone's right to choose. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15. Glenn and the team have been great supporters of this show, which is why I'm so proud to partner with them. Patriot Mobile offers dependable nationwide coverage, giving you the ability to access all three major networks, which means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to without funding the left. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending the message that you support free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, Second Amendment, and our military veterans and first responder heroes. Their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. PatriotMobile.com slash Brianna. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Brianna. Or call 878-PATRIOT.